The new Speaker of the House is a savage. Rawr. What's up? That was really weird. What's up? That's like a cougar. The, the, new, the new Speaker of the House is a cougar. No, I don't think he's that either. What's up? This is Marquez Saves the Republic. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad we have a Speaker of the House, too. And, and like I said, Mike Johnson, a lot of people, a lot of people still unsure who he is, where he came from. But the more they're learning about him, the more they seem to like about him. A lot of folks wrote to me and called to me yesterday and said, who is this guy? Can you tell us a little bit about Mike Johnson? And I absolutely can. Or you know what? In fact, I'll do one better. I've put together what they call in the business a sizzle reel. If you were an athlete, you'd have like a highlight reel. And when you're in politics, when you're in when you're in entertainment, you, you have a sizzle reel. These are the sizzling moments of your career that really kind of give people an idea of what you're all about. And here is the new Speaker of the House, the gentleman from Louisiana, District 4, uh, Mike Johnson. Here is his sizzle reel. Secretary Mayorkas, we have the frustrating responsibility on this committee of providing oversight of your agency, but I have to be honest and tell you, I'm not sure exactly what you do at the Department of Homeland Security other than great harm. On your watch, the data is pretty clear. We've had record levels of illegal immigration, a rapid decline in deportations, skyrocketing fentanyl deaths across our country, and the Secret Service, which is a DHS component, can't determine who left cocaine at the White House. Everybody wants to know at home, why would they allow this? Guys, they're allowing it because they're going to turn them into voters. They already are doing this in New York City, largest city in America, and this is the plan of our friends on this side to turn all the illegals into voters. That's it, folks. That's what's going on. That's the game. Impeachment was never intended to be used as a midterm corrective option for a divisive or unpopular leader, unquote. Look, we get it. You don't like him. That doesn't mean you can banish him from the marketplace. You can't send him out of his businesses and say he can't hold a position of honor or trust. You don't get the right to do that. The people of this country do. We live in a republic. We have to follow it. We took an oath to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution requires this action. The inquiry is the appropriate step. We have no choice to pursue the facts wherever they lead, and we will leave no stone unturned. By the way, I, I added the music. I thought it was more dramatic with the music. I think that I would love for these congressional hearings while they're going on live. I think there should be um, some kind of score underneath that really, you know, so when somebody's having a dramatic moment or when they're really when they're really, you know, hammering a point home like Mike Johnson's been doing in, on the Judiciary Committee and the Weaponization of Government Committee. In fact, look, uh, Jim Johns, Jim Johnson, I keep calling him J J Mike Johnson. I'm, here's the problem. I'm confusing Mike Johnson and Jim Jordan because Mike Johnson is basically Jim Jordan, but without all the baggage. If you take away all the negative publicity and all the bad PR, uh, if you take away the 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 taint of being associated with Donald Trump and the January 6th insurrection from Jim Jordan, you throw some glasses on him, maybe a coat because Jim Jordan, he's always just in shirt sleeves because he's like one of those guys. Uh, but you, you end up with Mike Johnson. So as far as Democrat, as far as the uh, democracy goes, as far as as far as legislating, as far as being a conservative, Mike Johnson's a great choice. Way better than anyone else on the other side. Way better than that Tom Emmer guy or even Steve Scalise. Uh, if you if you couldn't have Jim Jordan, there's a handful of folks that you want. And Mike Johnson is really one of those, especially since nobody really knows who he is. He can come in. He's he's uncorrupted. He's uh, he, he has no, um, you know, a baggage. Like we said before, there's nothing in his past that people can dig up and and throw in his face. He's coming in with a clean slate. Everybody on the Republican side really likes him. And the voters, once they see what kind of a conservative he is, if he maintains that conservative stance on all these issues, they're going to love him, too. I mean, this is a guy who took the gavel immediately thanked God 
and then later on got down on his knees in the house building with a couple of other folks on the floor and started to pray. And that's not something you see every single day. I mean, I haven't seen that since, well, since Tim, T- Tim uh, Tebow visited, uh, visited Congress. But this is what Mike Johnson is. He's a, he's a Christian. He's a conservative. He's pro-Trump. He's pro-America. He's pro-life. He's a constitutional scholar. This is a constitutional attorney. This is a guy who knows the Constitution inside and out, while you have some representatives on both sides who haven't even cracked the cover of the Constitution. And if they have, they read the first page and went, oh, gross. Freedom of speech. What I did. This is the worst book I've ever read. And so Mike Johnson is an asset to the Republican Party. He's an asset to the chamber. And I believe he'll be an asset to the country. But before we get too excited, allow me to throw some cold water on our monumental we finally got a speaker celebration because the speaker of the house is one individual in a chamber of 435. And of those 435, a very slim majority. And if you're listening to the podcast, I am holding my fingers about as close as I can together without them actually touching. A very slim majority of Republicans holds that majority, which means the bickering and the infighting and the debating and everything we saw happen with this particular speaker race, it's going to happen with a lot of different issues moving forward. What we learned in the last three weeks is that, yes, while the Republicans were finally able to come together and unanimously elect uh, Mike Johnson with 220 of their votes to become Speaker of the House, they're still very divided on a lot of issues. There's a lot of really moderate Uh, Washington elite Republicans in the House of Representatives. There's a lot of representatives who are beholden to the special interests and are working diligently to make sure that the people that paid to get them in place are now getting paid back because next time around, meaning next year, they want those people to pay again to keep them in place because they love their political power and the people that represent them, the people that are putting them in in, uh, power in the first place with their massive donations and all of their and all of their connections Those people, they want what's coming to them. And so we've learned that there's a lot of representatives in Congress who don't represent the voters. They represent the special interest groups. They represent those big money donors. And that's something that was eye opening. They're still there, though. They didn't leave. We just know who they are. And as we move forward, as we move forward to try to uh, bring back some of the funding from Ukraine and, oh, I don't know, maybe use it on our own southern border. When we try to stop the invasion of illegals from Mexico instead of the invasion of Russians from, well, Russia, I mean, I think that that's maybe something that's going to cause a little bit, ruffle some feathers, especially with the Republicans who are beholden to the industrial, uh, the military industrial complex and all of the money that comes from our uh, military partners in the Congress. So, look, it's a it's a great step forward. It's a little sad that it took the Republicans nine months to go from Kevin McCarthy to Mike Johnson. If we had Mike Johnson beforehand, maybe we would have uh, maybe we wouldn't have had such bad deals made with the Democrats in the Senate. And of course, Joe Biden in the White House. You know, last time that Kevin McCarthy thought he'd succeeded, Joe Biden was chugging more champagne than he was. That'll tell you who came out on top of that deal. Mike Johnson moving forward will help. But it's one branch out of three. The Senate still is uh, in charge. The uh, Democrats are still in charge of the Senate. Chuck Schumer is still the majority leader in the Senate. John Fetterman is still a senator. We've got bigger problems. The White House, Joe Biden, is he's got the veto pen and he's got somebody in his ear going, veto, veto, sign, sign. It's going to be an uphill climb for everyone. Everyone, the, the best we can hope for is for the next 14 months for the government to just basically shut down, either with an actual shutdown or with a legislative shutdown. What we need to see happen 
is the Congress deadlock with the Senate and the White House on every single issue. If Congress wants something done, you know that Joe Biden and the Democrats in the Senate are going to stop it and vice versa. If the Democrats in the Senate and Joe Biden want something done, it's up to the congressional Republicans to work together the way they did to elect Mike Johnson and stop it. It's the only thing we can do. We don't have the power. We don't have the control. And the best part about Mike Johnson being speaker is he's now in charge of the super PAC that's going to dish out and dole out all the money to all of the representatives who are running in 2024, which means maybe you're in a district where one of those representatives didn't really represent you, but represented themselves. Then maybe you can find a new candidate who's going to be America first, who's not going to be beholden to special interest groups, who's going to work for the voters. And maybe Mike Johnson will give that person some money instead of the crooked old coot who's uh, representing your district right now. Uh, do I, does that sound like way too personal? Sorry. I may be drawing from my own experiences on that one. It's a step forward, but it's a small step forward. And we've got a huge roadblock ahead of us. 2024 is, is just one of the most consequential elections we've ever had. We've got Donald Trump, who we need to have back into office, because without Donald Trump's leadership, you're not going to have the strong, big, bold moves that come with a strong, big, bold president like Donald Trump and also a lame duck president who, in the past, lame duck presidents have been dangerous because eh, they don't really care anymore. All they're doing is picking out uh, swatches for their presidential libraries. And they're trying to, you know, they're going through and seeing which one of their friends and family members they want to pardon before they dip out on uh, Marine One. No, no, it, it, t the, typically that's what a lame duck president does. But Donald Trump coming back for a second non-consecutive term would make him a very unique and very dangerous lame duck president because he can do whatever he wants and he doesn't have to worry about retribution at the ballot box. He can do whatever he wants and he doesn't have to worry about those pesky voters getting annoyed. If he wants to go after Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and the rest of the crooks who've been running the place for the past couple decades, he can do it. And he doesn't have to worry about losing another election. If he wants to shut down the border, if he wants to stop people from coming over from, from, from Wuhan flu infested countries, if he wants to give massive tax breaks, if he wants to pull our troops out of Ukraine or out of Israel or out of wherever, if he wants to make, if he wants to make NATO countries pay for the weapons and the systems and the protection that we offer to them. And if he wants to start drilling anywhere he wants, that's all his choice. The voters have no say. They can't stop him. He doesn't care. He's not beholden to any kind of re-election campaign or re-election scheme. It's all Donald Trump doing what he wanted to do the first time he ran for re-election, hopefully doing it the second time. Now, a big key to that would be having the tools in place to get the job done. And one of those tools is the House of Representatives. OK, check. We got a very conservative pro-Trump leader in the House of Representatives. We have a slim majority. Would we like a larger majority? Absolutely. Who doesn't want more of a good thing? But we'll take what we can get. At this point right now, we need to make sure that we keep the majority and that if we're replacing anybody, we're getting rid of the rhinos and we're bringing in the America First conservatives. Then there's the Senate. And the Senate is very exciting because the Senate is super winnable. Why? Well, in West Virginia, you've got that guy, uh, Joe Manchin, who not only the Republicans hate, but the Democrats hate. He's kind of he's kind of done his whole thing. He's got three options right now. Run as a Democrat and lose. Try to switch to the Republican Party and lose or uh, run as some kind of independent and lose. E any way you slice it, I believe we are going to have a new Republican senator from West Virginia. In Arizona, Carrie Lake is running for an open seat that is going to be split because Kristen Sinema is no longer a Democrat. 
you're going to have a three-way race in Arizona, and a three-way race in Arizona means that could be an easy victory for Kerry Lake if, of course, they lock down all of that, all those election problems they had with the balloting machines on, elect, you know, Maricopa County. Oh, all these election machines in these conservative districts just stopped working on election day. We don't know how that happened. Oh, well, sorry, folks. Try again next year. We've also got options in Montana because John Tester is uh, is uh, is viable and, and could be overturned. Very, I mean, Montana is a red state. They have no business supporting somebody like John Tester, especially since John Tester supports Joe Biden and Joe Biden doesn't support anybody in Montana. When you look at Pennsylvania, Bob Casey, this is my favorite race because Bob Casey, I believe his seat is solidly up for grabs. Why? Because the only person that's campaigning for him is John Fetterman. The last senator that Pennsylvania elected is John Fetterman. Pennsylvanians are looking around going, these Democrats, gosh darn it, they took us for a ride. They offered up John Fetterman, and now we're the laughingstock of the country. We've got a guy who's wearing hoodies and shorts to Congress, who's depressed half the time, who can't put two sentences together. Everybody looks at this guy and says, what the hell's wrong with Pennsylvania? What's going on in Pennsylvania, the Keystone State? has become the laughingstock. And they're not going to let that happen again. They're going to want some strong leadership. And I believe if we get the right candidate this time and we get the, the grassroots initiative behind them, then Pennsylvania is a winnable state. There's a couple of other races all around the country where we could easily pick up some seats. Um, and if that's the case, the Senate becomes a Republican stronghold as well. And if you have Donald Trump in the White House with a Republican-led Senate and a Republican-led uh, House of Representatives and a staunchly conservative constitutional Supreme Court. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, forget about it. For, America, America will truly be great again in a very, very short period of time. Then, of course, in four years, the Democrats will probably win everything back and destroy it again. But we'll deal with that issue when we get to it. Listen, be sure that you are liking and subscribing and setting notifications for this podcast so you can get this content every single day that we publish it because we publish it every single day. Also, don't forget, if you have not yet grabbed your copy of my brand new Christmas story, please do so now because we are running out of our first run and I don't know how long it's going to take to print more. Go to The Untold Story of Christmas and get a copy for yourself. You can get a regular unsigned copy or a limited edition autographed by the author this guy right here. Uh, yeah, and we'll, sh we'll send it out to you next week. They'll be, they'll be in the warehouse and they'll be ready to ship. But I, I don't want you to have to wait till the middle of November or, or, or even December. So make sure you go to the untold story of Christmas.com and grab what is my new favorite Christmas story. Not just because I wrote it, but because it's a great Christmas story. And I know that you and your family, you're all going to love it. The untold story of Christmas.com. Mark K show today at noon Eastern, 11 Central. We hope to see you there or hear you there on one of our Catriot Radio Network radio stations, one of our fantastic streaming partners. Until then, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for all your support. Thanks for sticking with us through this tumultuous speakers race. It was definitely worth it. We are moving in the right direction. Conservatism is alive and well. There are Catriots and Patriots out there who are willing to fight. Even if it's messy, even if they get called names, even if people say, you're a joke, you're divided, you're turning this whole country into a circus. Doesn't matter. I love circuses. I love circuses. And at the end of the circus, uh, everybody goes home really happy. Well, except for PETA. They're really, they don't like, they don't like, PETA doesn't like the circus. But you know what? Screw PETA. That's what I say. Uh, no, listen, we're in this together. You, me, everyone else. We're doing it. We're doing it. Slowly but surely, we are all going to save the republic.